0: Well this evening we will be looking at Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses eleven and twelve, which is in the Church Bibles on page one thousand one hundred and eighty-nine. In fact I better I get on the right page myself. <laughs> now in this passage the Apostle Paul is writing um, on behalf of himself and his two companions, Silas and Timothy, to the church in Thessalonica. So We'll just read from verse 11 here of chapter 1. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours, and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is God's word for us this evening. Now, looking around, I wonder what sort of things each of us pray for. Do we pray intercessions for others? Or do we just pray for ourselves? And what about God? It's him, after all, we're praying to. Do we remember to praise and honor him? Do we confess before him? Well, I imagine it's fair to say in a large congregation like this, the answer is going to vary significantly from person to person and from time to time, circumstance to circumstance. For some, the whole concept of praying is going to be completely alien. But tonight, as we consider Paul's prayer report here in 2 Thessalonians, let us reflect exactly on how Paul keeps this body of believers in prayer, and let's also consider what implications it might have upon our own prayer life. Now, the church that this is this working as well. This, yeah. Now, the church that this letter was written to, the church of the Thessalonians, they were one of the groups that Paul taught and nurtured while on his missionary journey into the Gentile nations. Thessalonica, where this church was based, at the time was a strategic Roman port for trade and it was also the capital city of Macedonia, which was an influential city in the world with around 100,000 inhabitants. Now, that's not as big as Edinburgh, but at the time it was regarded as a significant city. However, we also know that from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians that this was a city where the gospel was predominantly not welcome. And a city that Paul and his companions were eventually driven out from by the authorities there. But despite this, the Thessalonian church, by God's grace, were resilient and remained faithful to the gospel which they had been taught. But as a result, they suffered frequent persecutions from their countrymen and neighbours. And we learn this from verse 3 of the first chapter in the letter. We'll just read that. It says, We ought always... To thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. So, this is a faithful and loving congregation, but one that is having to endure many hardships in the process. And then in the following passage Paul goes on to encourage them to remember that the Lord is a God of justice, that they should remember their eternal reward of glorifying Christ and also to consider the fate of those who seek to hinder the church of God who who we are told will face severe punishment in eternity. It's a very sobering encouragement that Paul gives. And so that's the context upon where our focus is tonight. So when In verse 11 we read, with this in mind, we constantly pray. We see that Paul is clearly aware that the Thessalonian church needs encouragement and regular prayers. But as well as this, Paul is offering mindful prayers. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. That is, he's considered the situation of the believers and also how it fits in with the righteousness of God. Paul is mindful of the Thessalonians' growth in faith. He is aware of their increasing love for one another. He knows that they'll be under persecution. He considers the fact they'll be suffering. But he keeps in mind the fact that God is just. That God will punish their opposition in eternity. And that the Thessalonians will be shown grace and be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. In other words, Paul is praying deliberately, frequently, and well-informed, carefully considered prayers. Now... How often do we do the opposite and just pray on impulse for our own comfort or out of duty and forget to consider the context of the world and of God's eternal plan? Often if we pray in this way, we'll only pray for the things that directly influence our own lives. And in doing so, there's that real danger of losing sight of God's wider vision for the ministry of his church. God does, of course, care for all the big and small things in our lives and of course you should present them prayerfully before the lord as we're going through them but let's also remember to consider to pray wider for people other than ourselves and our immediate families and to pray mindfully for people out with our daily spheres of influence praying deliberately praying frequently and praying carefully considered well-informed prayers on their behalf So in light of this, we have to consider what Paul has actually been praying. He says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Now Paul has already declared in verse 5 that the Thessalonians will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So when we read here in verse 11, so that our God may make you worthy of his calling, we know that Paul has not been praying for the Thessalonians to become worthy before God in terms of their achievements or their actions because that's already been determined by God. But rather, Paul has been praying that even now the Thessalonians may be considered worthy and that through their faith-inspired resolve for good, they will seek to praise and honor the Lord whom they serve. Paul establishes that it will not be in the Thessalonians' strength to achieve this, but only by his power, that is, in keeping with the Lord's strength. Now, that's important because Paul acknowledges that in the circumstances in which the Thessalonians find themselves, their faith in God is not in vain. The God of justice comes in power, and he is able to sustain their purposes and actions according to his will. Now, this should be a challenge to us as we come to pray because our faith in the Lord should reflect our trust in his power to intervene and to sustain us as a fellowship. However, if we're praying unexpectedly and unbelievingly, well, that actually suggests that we doubt his ability. And if we're doubting his ability, that really shows that we don't trust God. God. And in that scenario, how could we really be sure of anything? So we must pray sincerely, trusting in God's fullness and recognizing his power and his glory. And that brings us nicely on to verse 12, which picks up on why Paul prays. He says, We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's ultimate reason in all his prayers for the Thessalonians is to glorify the Lord Jesus. And it's clearly fitting that we follow this example in our own prayers as we seek to honor God and make him first and foremost in our lives. But as well as the Lord Jesus being glorified in them, Paul also claims that they will be glorified in Christ You see that it says the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. For just as these Thessalonians were suffering through their persecutions and their troubles in a similar way that Christ suffered before his death on the cross, so too are they promised that they will share in his glory. A fact affirmed by Christ's resurrection from the dead. This is why we as believers today must be willing to remember that when we have to undergo difficult circumstances for the sake of Christ, we must remember that Christ also suffered for us. And of course, we must never lose sight of the fact that he also rose. And that is why we too can be glorified with him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us keep these truths in prayer as we worship God this evening.